where do you go to find authenticity and truth? Nobody wants to talk about the skeletons in their closet, the nitty gritty, or the failures, all of which I believe are the most important parts of anybody's story of success. This is a place where we say what nobody else is saying. Truth with Tara, welcome to the fold. What's up, guys, and welcome to Truth with Tara. I have a very special treat for you today. It is my very first guest on the podcast today, and we're going to be talking shop. Please welcome Mr. Blake Kanika. He is producer extraordinaire to celebrity artists and happens to be my producer as well. I'm super honored to have you on the show, Blake. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. We just had the best day in the studio. We did. So the energy is just carrying right over. Yes. We just chose three songs we're going to be releasing next year and lots of exciting stuff to talk about. So, and I know that the reason, part of the reason I have this podcast is to give insider information and talk about things that nobody really talks about. And so today this, this shop talk really is to give you guys as listeners um, an open door into the back end of the inner workings of the music industry. And Blake has been around it all. He has seen it all and done it all. And so um, a couple of questions that I know you guys are burning to have answered by Blake. And, you know, I'm so excited to have you on. And I need you to tell people just exactly who you are and what you've done. Well, I am a, um, a producer, a musician. And so I grew up playing classical piano exclusively. I wasn't allowed to listen to even like pop music or any of that stuff. So when I started going to public school and junior high, that was a big you know, oh, there's all this music out there. But I was thankful for it because I, I learned how to play piano. Um, I learned, like my family would go to symphonies and go to, and that, that was kind of, it all started there. So I was actually, I was actually a late bloomer with technology. And, um, but I, I got proficient as a musician. And then because of that, I started touring with people. And then it was like churches, American Idol people, um, all just all kinds of things. And then, I actually started like being able to fund my life that way. So, so cool. When I, was that? Like what age were you able to fund your life with music? Um, I mean, I started making money playing music probably in high school. Okay. And then, um, but really actually doing it probably like 20, 21. It's great. And, um, and I almost didn't think you could make a living doing music. I was such a, like I was going to business school. Wow. I left all my instruments for three years. Wow. And then I actually did it as a need to get back into kind of making money and, you know, making a life for myself that way. And that was just the Lord's providence of moving everything into place. And then I started touring with a lot of people and, um, I toured with, and then music ended up music directing for Jason Castro, who's still one of my great friends mm. and, um, just one of the kindest people you'll ever meet. And we went all over the world, I Wow, mean, Philippines, Norway, all over. And that was so much fun. And then it was after that, it was for King country. I was with them for five years. Great band. Great band, great family, great, great community of hardworking people. And um, one thing I'm really grateful for them is that a lot of times when you're around artists, producers, studios, there's people that are very close handed mm. with, you know, not letting you get the files or you really want to work on stuff. And I love for King Country because they're so they just were like, whoever has the best idea. And so they would they opened it up and it was very it was a very encouraging environment to be in because. I started programming stuff in the beginning and I wasn't that great. 
and then eventually you just do it again and again and get better and better and um you know and then eventually i was producing writing and producing on their stuff and then got off the road and now that's just what i do full time so that was a i feel like for king country was an important pivot yeah because they gave a lot of studio i mean we we did so much stuff wow you know all those a lot of those records are all of us playing together that's so cool um they didn't have to do that that was a that was a gift wow that's amazing so after king and country then what took you well my i've been married to um my wife Brittany for seven years seven and a half years and um around the time i was getting off the road we had our first son uh, Benedict. And then 15 months after he was born, we had Lucia. So that's kind of been the defining well, yeah. piece of that. But there was even some things in that, like, um, I scored the movie unplanned with some of our dear friends, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman, um, who I would just, we would do anything for. They're the sweetest people. It's amazing. And that was a, that was a great experience. And, um, and then actually randomly got a call and worked for Kanye West for you know a long time and uh that was just incredible because he's such a um it's like going to the Kanye West school of art wow just interesting being around mm, I'm sure all of that so that was that was a that that kind of felt like the real beginning of like being able to do some serious stuff wow and I've heard that he's he's pretty like on the fly. You know, you, you did mention like making rooms, uh, you know, makeshift rooms, recordings you do. What's the weirdest place you ever recorded Kanye in? Well, there was one day that um, he had a studio. When I was with them in studios, they were usually, oh, well, actually, they weren't studios at all. They were, they were buildings and he just put up a bunch of white sheets. I don't know if it was muslin or white linen or something. He just covered literally every... You couldn't see the inside of a door handle. Wow. The whole room was literally covered with that. And it'd be a huge screen and movies playing quietly. Um, and, uh, but there, there were so many weird things. Like one day his, his main engineer gave me a, uh, it, a wave, just a file. And it was of, of like someone in a garage slamming metal around. <laughs> like it was almost like a giant was just taking shopping carts and throwing them in this huge metal barn. It just made, and he was like, see what sounds you can make out of that. Oh my gosh. And so there's a lot of just in every area. And he's so cool. Cause he's very multidimensional and mm. multidisciplinary. So he would bring architects, musicians, business executives, all kind of together and let them be around, let them be exposed to each other. There was one day um, we were in a warehouse and I mean, all these stations were maybe 10 feet apart from each other, but there was like a studio table. There were fashion designers, shoe designers, architects, all right in the space. And he just, almost like a ghost, like he just kind of hovers through the different groups and he'll spend a few minutes with them, like quietly giving them direction. It's so funny because he's a very energetic, you know, he he's a one of the most energetic musical artists I've ever been around. But yet when he's in that mode, a lot of times he gets so quiet. Wow. And he's just kind of moving through these different little worlds hmm. and just speaking very quietly to people and giving like unbelievable enlightened direction. Hmm. And then he goes and then he'll bring people into different groups. So it's all very fluid. It kind of takes you a few days to get used to how open it is. Yeah. That's so interesting. So you really probably, you could say honestly that you grew the most, I guess, working with that kind of an artist that 
just was so multidimensional, kind of like a savant, I guess you could say, in his in his field. Yes, because the the amazing thing about him is that he collaborates with so many people mm-hmm. in the business world, in the artistic world, everywhere. And the common denominator is that it's always his idea at the beginning mm. that ends up being the thing that you love about whatever the final product is. So he has these people helping him along, but there's something about his initial vision of something wow. that you can't. That's the one common denominator in everything he does. It's like he's the one that says do it like this. Mm. And then even if it takes 20 other people to come along and help realize it, it's still there working on his, his original vision. His He's notion. like the director of it. Yeah. Interesting. Blake, what is the most crazy thing you've seen happen like in a recording session or maybe on tour? Oh, that's an impossible question. <laughs> I've toured for a long time. I started touring when I was 16. Okay. And uh, that was like a, an arena tour. And I remember just climbing all over these old theaters and even arenas just like flat. I mean, it was great. That was a very quiet kind of crazy. You're just like a fan of the opera or something. You're just exploring these rafters wow. by yourself. And, um, but then, yeah, I think that um, the thing about, I would say like the, the, one of the craziest times in the studio is actually when you're not, when you're not in a studio, when you're touring and you're recording records on the road Wow! and you end up setting up all over the place, you know, in rooms that were never meant to be recorded in and you're turning in dressing rooms, you're turning couches on their side and doing all this crazy stuff to try to construct a vocal booth or try to bring drums in there and create a little setup. So I think that was, that, that was always really fun because, um, now it's a blessing. Like we're sitting in a, in a proper studio now. Yeah. And that's really a luxury because there's so many things you don't have to think about. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed those times of, um, you're working in an underground room in an arena, just trying to get Wi-Fi, and like you're running around trying to find a lamp, like something to create some vibe in there. Wow. And then you find a lamp and it would be the biggest success ever. And then you try <laughs> to find, you know, two chairs and then you spend the whole day getting your studio and then you have to take down and go to another city. Oh my gosh. Well, I absolutely love your work. And, you know, that brings me to kind of your opinion on, on work. Like as a producer, you don't always have the final say, right. Of, of like your baby, your parts of the song or or what you've contributed, especially on a level like that, where there's many producers involved. And for those of you who are listening, you may not know that, but there, there to make a song, let's just continue with the Kanye theme here. I mean, there are multiple producers, multiple writers responsible for one single song. So Blake, like, how do you, as someone who I know personally takes their craft and their their sound and their samples, their songs so seriously, how do you let go of that control of like, this is my thing, this is my baby, and like let someone else then say, yeah, we're going to just take that really quick little part and then add it to this. And it doesn't even sound recognizable from the original idea that you have. Like, how, how does that sit with you? I think at this point, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing when you're younger, but the more you do this, the more you're working around people that you respect. And you just have to get used to being on both sides of that fence because there's there's a session I was in the other day um, with some friends of mine and somebody brought in this idea and the whole session was scheduled around this person coming in with this idea. And at the end of the day, I think we took the title, a chord progression, 
and everything else about it was different. And, and they had to be the one to kind of let go of some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you, you see both sides of the fence so many times that you just, it helps, um, you be very open handed with that stuff, but really it's all about taste and working with people that you respect. Um, like there's definitely some people that I just would probably not align as well with taste wise. Mm -hmm. And so when there are those differences, it's actually a, it's actually a convicted difference. Okay. You know, but when you work with people where it's like, I respect you, I'm so curious about how you create. And, mm. um, then you're, you're honored that that person would mess with your ideas and, yeah. and that you would even have anything, um, anything. I mean, people, especially the more, the more I do this, like the people, these, these major artists, like they have so many versions of things that it may be 10, 20 versions of the same song. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, inevitably that if you get asked to work on something, you're working on one version that they, that they may never take something from. That's so tough. It's like creating children and then having them never be raised. <laughs> right. But the, the, but I think the producer's role is very much one of, I think like as believers, we're all positioned under God in a, in a place of servitude. Um, but especially as a producer, I think you're, you're really put in a place of, you know, if it's, if it's about like, there's a lot of producers that they're artists too, because there's some ideas that they don't want to probably compromise on, or they want to have it exactly their way. And I think that's great. But I also just love helping people realize, um, it's so funny cause I was really shy when I was a kid and I technically still am now, but you get used to it. And mm -hmm. so you do enough, you know, arena tours, with for King country and that'll wear that off of you, but <laughs> real quick, <laughs> but I still just love being in the background and I love not being, not being seen or not, but the ideas are seen, the ideas are heard and, uh, and getting to help out. And it's kind of like acting cause you're working with all these different artists and every artist is totally different. And you kind of get to like go into their movie yeah. and help them. And then, you know, you leave that movie and get another one. So I like, I actually think it's, I really, I'm very encouraging as we've done in our, in our process, like of flipping ideas, you know, mm -hmm. you do something and then you flip it. And that doesn't mean that you throw everything away, but it's like, how can you improve on it? Yeah. Like home improvement. Yes. For, for a song. Absolutely. And I've just seen undeniable success because you can always go back to an earlier version. Right. But I've just seen so much success with people that venture into deeper waters that it's like, how can you not keep going? I 100% agree with that. And I think that they're, and correct me if you disagree, but I really think the best producers are those that are erring on the selfless side and they don't allow their egos to get in the way. If there's a better idea and it didn't come from them, they're always about the, the best for the song. And sometimes I've run into moments where that doesn't necessarily end up being the case and you kind of have to agree to disagree or work around that or keep what you think isn't quite as good just for the sake of the relationship and moving forward. And to be honest, you are one of the most selfless and least egotistical producers I've ever worked with. <laughs> You're just so open to anything and, and it doesn't matter if it's your idea or not. And that creates a lot of freedom in the process. And I, I really appreciate that by experience for sure. Well, that's so kind of you. Thank you. And you also, I feel like you have to lead by example. So if I expect other people to be that way, then mm -hmm. you have to kind of light the way with being open-handed yourself. Yeah. And I think picking your battles because a lot of times there's just different modes. Like I like, I like creating from a very abstract place early on mm -hmm. where you're really, 
you're kind of flying through the universe, just imagining every possible way it could be. And then once you like, we've made a lot of decisions even this week where we said, okay, we're kind of past that point. Now we're locking in mm-hmm. to some decisions and we're narrowing down the scope. Yes. And, um, I just think that there, there's certain times to speak up, but you can't fight every battle. No. In right in that moment, because a lot of times, you know, you walk away and everyone's able to live with that first idea. And then the truth is self-evident. Eventually yeah. it kind of works itself out. And, um, but some people in specific moments, just somebody sees red, somebody sees blue, you know, that's okay. That's a healthy, that's the point. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's absolutely the point. But I think what I found is that a lot of people don't really have, cause I'm, I say a lot of people as in this was me. I didn't really have a framework there's not a lot of great examples of being open-handed in a really healthy way. Mm. There's a lot of people that are very, there's just kind of the, the default human position, I think the fleshly kind of is to kind of be hold your ideas really precious. And, you know, but when you know every step on the creative process and there's so many places to turn around or get off the, you know, get off the train, um, it's really disarming. So like, it takes a lot to get a song done. Oh, so much. Get it out. It's so much work. I mean, guys, for those of you who don't know, Blake and I have been holed up in this awesome studio for three days now. And this is the second time we've done this just to get three songs that we end up with that that are going to be released under um, a record label that I'm starting next year in 2022 called Red Pill Records. And these three songs we finally just chose today. We're super excited. And we're at the end of a very long, uh, long three days. And we decided to do this podcast for you because I just love Blake so much. And I want you guys to know more about him and who he is and get some insider information on industry pros and, and what their life is like. And Blake also aside from being an exceptional musician and producer, he also, as you can know by now, loves Jesus. So Blake, um, I mean, I have many, many stories of my own of of opportunities that I've had to turn down or miss or say thank you, but no thank you to because of your convictions. So tell me a little bit about how you so beautifully have figured out how to navigate between the Christian and secular music industry while maintaining your faith and integrity? Because that's really the heart behind this podcast is how do you how do you stay successful or become successful in any industry? And in this context, it's music while maintaining your integrity and your faith. It's like the ultimate question. Yeah, it's really it is. I think that it it really comes down to. You know, the Bible talks about there's a narrow road. And it's very easy to just get to the right or the left, even for a moment. But you really have to walk with God through every, you can't automate stuff. It's like a very present walking with the Lord through every decision. Mm. And that's always the most artisan, custom fit way that things get done. Um, and it, it just takes the most time and energy. And so I think I'm, I'm grateful because it is it is a different day that we're living in Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, to have Christian beliefs in, in a lot of the, um, a lot of people have belief, you know, belief in God or, but to have genuine, you know, very devout Christian beliefs, um, with the way that the entertainment world is going has definitely been interesting. And the Lord has just always made, made paths like even for example the unplanned movie they said you know if you put your name on this movie 
you'll never work in LA again. Wow. And then Kanye calls, you know, it's like, that's amazing. You know, literally out of nowhere, we were at, um, with my wife's family at a new year's dinner at their house. And I screened, you know, his call <laughs> and out of, out of the side of my pocket. And he called back again and, uh, um, he screened Kanye West's call. Yeah. And then and I, I called <laughs> him back like 30 minutes later. It wasn't even like a quick thing. <laughs> that's awesome. And, uh, but the Lord always just, there's just so many, I can't even tell you the number of miraculous um, things, but somebody, uh, one of my good friends that I, um, my wife and I have so much respect for is a girl named Victory. And she is uh, one of nine children in the Boyd family. And five of them have a band called Infinity Song. And um, I tinker on their music from time to time. I produced her first single for Rock Nation. Nice. And uh, Victory is... Um, such an amazing example of what you're talking about mm. because she's signed to this massive mainstream label. Um, but she goes out of her way to be a light to people. And I just haven't seen before. And so there are people like that, that you kind of eventually meet and are aware of, and you can all be friends and, but you can't put her in any box. I mean, their whole family, but I'm just using her as an example. Like you can't put her in, in a any industry box because everything is her faith custom fit for between her and god and it just makes people very unique when you do that so really you're saying that it's not necessarily a philosophy that you can fit across the board it's a decision by decision opportunity by opportunity um kind of discernment thing that you weigh against every time yes okay you know and there's just some things that are a lot more precarious than others. You know, the risk is higher or the, the, it stretches your family more or, you know, the, the, the location or the work hours or those things. But, um, it has been an amazing journey. Like I've met some of the most wonderful people and brilliantly talented. I mean, even today we're, we're sitting here and you're recording this stuff and I'm just like, I can't act like this is normal because, <laughs> you know, you have one of the most amazing voices in the world. And he's um, so sweet guys. So that's been, that's been just an amazing thing is like, you know, I'm very close to my family. We're very, uh, you know, privately, we're just super close as a family. We spend a ton of time together. And then in a lot of ways it feels like missional living. Like it's not actually entertainment mm. or, um, about like a luxury, luxurious kind of bougie experience. It's, it's literally about like, what's the next mission? Wow. To go do. And sometimes it is luxurious and cool and all that, you know, that the music industry can be sometimes. And other times it's like you are in the dirt just doing, doing the hard work, but it always, it's so cool. Like it is cool as I'm getting older because there are so many, um, things that I've done that I'm just like, they really are sweet to my soul to wow. like go back and listen to like, I'm sure that this music will be because it's done from a, a good place. And, um, that's just all the Lord. That's so cool. So guys, um, this is again, Blake Kanika, who is now my beloved producer. And we are going to be back next week with a follow up episode. I'm going to be asking some more prying and pressing questions. And I'm going to ask you a question now that I want you to think about. And I'm going to give you the answer in the next podcast. And that is this. Who does Blake sound like? <laughs> what celebrity actor does Blake sound like? We will be back on the next one. Blake, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much. 
Thanks so much for listening to Truth with Tara. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future podcast episodes, don't hesitate to email info at tarasimonstudios.com. Yeah, I know.